is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Welcome to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino at DBongino on Twitter. In for the great one. Contributing editor. Spit it out, Dan. Contributing editor. How much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? At a conservative review. Sorry. That's always tough for me to say. Contributing editor. Conservative review. The knuckleballer out of the bullpen for Mark taking a little holiday break. I will be back with you again. Uh, Not tomorrow. What's tomorrow, Wednesday? I'll be back Thursday with you again. So always happy to fill in. Thanks for having me, Mr. Producer, Mr. Call Screener. Always appreciate it. All right, let's get right to it. Hope you had a Merry Christmas. Hope Santa was good to y'all out there. My wife was uh, good to me. She brought me. Some of you have heard me on the show may not know this about me. Um, Stephen, Charles, you may not know this about me either, but. When I was a kid, I used to like comic books. Like, that was my thing. I mean, I'm 43. Didn't everybody grow up? Uh, all the, You know, the guys you grew up in the Marvel era, right? You know the deal, right? So my wife got me. You're going to dig this, Chili. She got me Spider-Man 129. And you may say, well, what the heck is that? Do you know what that is, Mr. Call Screener? You have any idea? There is a specific relevance to Spider-Man 129, and it is the first appearance of the Punisher, the greatest character in the history of Marvel Comics if you're a dude's dude out there. So I sold all mine, all my comic books. I got rid of them when I was a kid like everyone else. And my wife has been slowly accumulating back for me the ones I really like. So thank you to Paula. Cool gift. Hope Santa was good to you uh, as well. All right. Let's get to the meat and potatoes of the show. Democrats are buddies and liberals out there. I say that sarcastically. Will you please stop lying for two minutes? Can you please stop I mean, I have no problem issue whatsoever debating you on the merits or lack of thereof on an issue. Taxes, health care, education policy, regulations, red tape, whatever it may be, foreign policy. I'm more than happy to do it. Matter of fact, as Mr. Call Screener can vouch for me here, we take liberal callers in every show. We try to. Sometimes they don't call in because they have nothing substantive to say. But we will even leave a line open for you if you're a liberal caller. 877-381-3811 is the number. 877-381-3811, again, is the number. We will even leave a line open for you to call and uh, and argue with me on anything. But you have to stop lying first. Now, why am I bringing this up? Because I was watching some of the weekend shows and some of the updates from some of the weekend shows, and there's Bernie out there again, Bernie Sanders, crazy Uncle Bernie, bringing up this Silly, dopey liberal talking point that anyone with half a brain in the media could destroy on the tax plan in two seconds if they would just ask a simple question. And here it is. So Bernie and all their buddies are out there saying, now, well, the middle class, you guys are all going to get soaked because these tax cuts expire and the corporate ones are permanent. Yep, absolutely. Point stipulated. You are correct. Now, you may say, well, what's the problem? You're, just, you're, just, you're admitting the liberals, Bernie, crazy Uncle Bernie's correct. Folks, they're not telling you why. And the why is always infuriating because they never tell you the why, liberals. The reason the tax cuts on the personal income side expire is because not one single Democrat voted for them. Not one. So they had to go through the reconciliation process. Democrats, just stop. Can you stop lying for five minutes? 
Can you just tell people the truth now? What's the simple question? Some entrepreneurial media type, media type out there wants to do the right thing could ask to solve this problem tomorrow. The next time some, you know, liberal knucklehead comes on your show and says, well, this is a scam. The tax cuts expire on the middle class, but they're permanent for business. All the media guy or woman has to say very simply is, well, if you turn around and vote for them and get nine of your Democrat friends in the Senate or ten to vote for them, they could overcome a filibuster, and these tax cuts will be permanent, too, which the Republicans are all for. Are you on the record? Are you going to do that? Are you going to support making these tax cuts permanent? Or if elected in 10 years, are you going to support this, that these tax cuts stay permanent on the income side? Yes or no? Now, of course, no one's going to ask that because the media is in the tank for Democrats, as they always are, which is always upsetting. But, folks, they get away with everything. They're allowed to go on the air and say things that are so stupid that you wonder how, like a media guy doesn't say, all right, this is kind of a bridge too far. Folks, they had to go through the reconciliation process, the Republicans to get this passed, because not one, listen to me, not one, zero Democrats in the House or Senate voted for this. I brought this up the other day, but it's worth repeating because this talking point now is gaining steam. That somehow the Republicans screwed you over because the tax cuts expire. They wanted them permanent. But they couldn't get 60 votes. Why? Because there were only 52 Republicans in the Senate. And again, for the third time, maybe the fourth, possibly the 20th, how many Democrats voted for this bill? Zero. Not one, not two, zero, as in none. Meaning they could not get the 60 votes to overcome a Democrat filibuster. Meaning if you can't get the 60 votes due to the ridiculous reconciliation process, these tax cuts had to expire in the budget window right around 2025. This was not a Republican choice. So you're telling me that the Republicans lobbied, fought, spent their political capital, the president was out there selling this plan because they wanted it to expire in, in, in a, uh, you know, by 2025 or so? Of course they didn't. They wanted these permanent, just like the George W. Bush tax cuts. They wanted them permanent, too. But there wasn't enough Democrat support. Guys, ladies out there, seriously, I'm talking to you. Doesn't this bother you? Like, seriously, if you're a Democrat or a liberal, does it bother you that you're being lied to constantly, that everything you do is a facade, a bumper sticker, a meme, a cheap meme, 140, 280 character Twitter post? It's never based in reality. Almost nothing they tell you ever is true. And again, my entire life has been dedicated to this because I got, I mean, my introduction to conservatism and liberty-based politics was realizing I'd been lied to by Democrats for so long about everything from overpopulation to taxes to health care policy. That's how a former Secret Service agent gets into conservative talk radio. You start reading over time and informing yourself, and you go back to school and you figure things out, and you're like, wow, I've really been played for a sucker for a long time. Now, it doesn't just end with this 10-year thing, which is nonsense. It's garbage. It's junk. They're making it up. They're out there again spouting this talk about, oh, it, it expires. Okay, are you going to make them permanent? Bernie, do we have you on the record right now? Bernie, here's the number for the show, 877-381-3811. Call in Senator Sanders from Vermont. 
Charles will keep a line open for you. Call in and explain to us now. We'd like to hear your, you can talk, we'll give you, the floor is yours. Explain to us now how you're working to make these tax cuts permanent or how if you're still in office in 10 years, how you will vote to make them permanent in 10 years. Just let us know. Call in, we'll leave you an open line. Matter of fact, any Democrat in the House or Senate that wants to call in and explain to us how they're working to make these tax cuts permanent. Again, 877-381-3811. We'll leave the phone line. We'll leave one open for you. I guarantee you, I will applaud you if you do, but I guarantee you not one will call in. I'm serious. We will give you, right, Mr. Producer, am I making this up? We will, we will give them the floor, right? Matter of fact, we'll even keep you for the longest segments at the top of the hour. And I, you can explain to us how you're working to make these tax cuts permanent. <laughs> now, I'm telling you no one will dare call in because they're not working to make these tax cuts permanent. They are out there advocating against them. They're just making it up. Now, I, I don't like to recover topics, and I covered this the other day filling in for Mark. But, again, it's important because they're doubling down on it. But also, another thing I saw today which this guy, watching this guy is, I mean, the stupid is strong with some. I mean, this guy's like swimming in like the stupid soup. But I watch his videos once in a while to see what the left is thinking. And I, you know, to get kind of like, I know this is where they get their talking points. Have you ever seen these Robert Reich videos? I mean, he puts these videos up on Facebook, and I watched one today to see where the Democrats are going to go and the liberals, what, what other lies and manipulative and deceptive nonsense they're going to put out there to defend themselves, because now they're in trouble, being that these tax cuts passed, and they know the economy's going to grow. Now they have to make stuff up and start to fabricate stuff and whip public opinion against it. They're in a lot of trouble next year. They're in more trouble than they're letting on. They're reading way, way too much into this Alabama Senate victory, in my humble opinion. I mean, what are they going to do next year? What's their campaign sign going to read? Bring back ISIS. Bring back higher taxes. I mean, what are, what are they going to do? Bring back government red tape. I mean, is that it? But in one of the Reich videos, which I'm going to talk about a little bit in this hour, because it really tells you where they're going with this, he does this, he does this trick. It's amazing. He's like, the conservative economic model is nonsense. It's just wrong. And he says, look at what's going on in California. And then look at what's going on in Texas and Kansas. The Kansas thing, I'm not going to cover that again because liberals just lie about Kansas. So typically whatever they tell you about Kansas is just a lie anyway. But I love how he, he, uh, he compares California to Texas. So just before the show, I pulled up some quick numbers for you. These are from the tax year that ended in 2014. It's the most recent data I could get my mitts on. Folks, this is the, the, the gross income that has left the state of California in that tax year alone. They had $4 billion worth of people who making money on that flee California. Now, where did a lot of the money go? Well, a lot of it went to Nevada. $10 billion of it went to Florida. Well, $10 billion went into Florida, not all from California. Some of it came from New York, which lost $5 billion. Florida had a net flow of inflow of $10 billion worth of income. Texas had an inflow of $5 billion. So I'm just a, a simple question before the break here. If Texas is so bad and California is so wonderful, then why are people leaving and voting with their feet and leaving California and moving to places like Texas? When you look at the U-Haul rates for California to Texas routes, they're a whole lot more expensive than the U-Haul rates from Texas back to California. Why do you think that is? You think U-Haul's making that up? 
Folks, they are lying to you about conservative economics because conservative economics is common sense economics. And I'm going to get into after the break again. Let me underline this because sometimes if I don't bring this up, I get emails after the show. Like, you said you were going to cover this and you didn't. One of the things I didn't bring up last week when I was in, I got a few emails on. I was talking about how government tax revenue has gone up after significant federal tax cuts, not down. I don't know if you know that, but if you listen to the show, you did. It's another liberal lie that the government starved for revenue after tax cuts. But someone emailed me and said, you know, you never really described why. I'm going to get into that a little bit, too, after the break. I'm Dan Bongino, at DBongino on Twitter. Comments, criticisms on Twitter, whatever, we take them all. If you want to call in, 877-381-3811. We'll be right back. Mark Show Dan Bongino at the Bongino on Twitter in for the great one. All right, so before the break, I was talking about a little bit of an explanation as to why tax cuts in the past have not led to decreases in tax revenue. Folks, this is simple stuff if you're not a liberal. If you're a liberal, I'm not talking about all Democrats, by the way. There are some sane Democrats out there, a lot of them. There are very few sane liberals left. If you are a liberal, you're going to have a tough time understanding this. But that's okay. I'm going to put a try for a moment. Put aside your pre-existing notions of how the world works and just open your eyeballs for a minute. This is not complicated. So you have these people we call citizens that work for a living in the United States, right? I know this shocks liberals. I think they, they think the government is the genesis of everything and all good in the country. But there are actual citizens out there that actually work in an actual free market that produce stuff. You know, stuff like food and medicine and cars and computers and things like that. You know, the stuff you have in your house right now. I mean, I have a phone next to me, paper right here. Wrote down some notes and things I want to chat about. Someone actually produced this, right? So when you give a tax rate cut, what happens is businesses and the people who work in those businesses wind up putting more money in their wallets. I know this is hard for you to understand. Now, why would that matter that the same amount of money, so a worker, whatever, makes $1,000 a week, let's say. Why would it matter if that $1,000, if 800 goes to the worker and 200 goes to the government or 900 goes to the worker and $100 goes to the government? Why would that matter? Well, it matters because when you work for something and you obtain the money and spend the money yourself or invest it or consume it, the cost and the quality, as Milton Friedman said, I've repeated this on this show many times, it's important, you, you never forget this, the cost and quality of what you purchase or the investments you make, when you spend it yourself, not someone else in the government, are always going to matter more. Now, liberals, I know this is difficult for you to understand. But when other people in the government take your money and spend it on other people, in other words, they take your money and they give it to someone else to buy whatever, uh, SNAP and food benefits or welfare benefits or Section 8 housing, when they do that, the cost and the quality of the products they are buying for other people with your money don't matter. This is just a psychological fact. Why do they not matter? The cost doesn't matter because it's, it's not their money. Why would they care? The quality of the things they buy for other people, Section 8 housing, food, entitlement, whatever it may be, 
Well, entitlement programs are different because you technically paid in, even though they stole your money there, too. But the quality of the products don't, that they buy doesn't matter either. Does I should say doesn't matter as much. This is a Friedman, by the way, who's, who's done does a terrific job of explaining this in his books. The quality will never matter as much either because you're not even buying the product for yourself. You're some government representative who's taking other people's money, giving someone a housing benefit to live in a house you don't live in. Why would you care? All you want is the votes and the campaign donations. It's not your money. You don't care. The point I'm trying to make, putting out there Friedman's ideas on this, which are very simple. These are not complicated ideas. And this is why liberals always get basic economics wrong, is that when you stick more money in the private economy, in the free, I hate that term, I keep saying that. The free market, there's nothing private about it. Anybody has access to it. In the free market economy, and you allow people to spend the money they earn, the things they buy are going to be relatively cost effective and of high quality because they're buying them and investing in them for themselves. That's why the economy grows. This isn't complicated. And when the economy grows, one of the air quotes here, side effects of that, because it would be a side effect to a liberal, it would be a primary effect to a conservative. One of the side effects is economic growth generates more money, which generates more tax revenue. Ladies and gentlemen, none of this stuff is complicated. It is only difficult to understand when you're a liberal and you use terms like investments and public investments. There are no public investments. There's no such thing. There's only them taking your money away and spending it on someone else. All right, I'm Dan Bongino at the Bongino on Twitter. Infomark will be on. Mark Levin, America's tyranny hunter. Call in now eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one. All right, welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino, Infomark, at the Bongino on Twitter. If you want to comment or criticize whatevs, we take them all. If you want to call, 877-381-3811. Don't go anywhere, because we have, uh, we'll get to him in a bit. we got Tim, uh, who's a liberal from Manhattan who disagrees, and we've got uh, Mitch as well, a conservative. So I usually don't get to too many calls in the first hour, but Tim, he seems particularly upset. So this, he's always great call. Don't tell him, though. Don't tell Tim. It's just between you and me and Mark's millions of listeners out there. Before the break, though, I was talking about this Robert Reich video, who is a noted far-left uh, economist, or pretends to be an economist, I should say. And he has this video out there talking about the tax cuts, and he just you know spews a bunch of nonsense about, listen, I love California. It's a great place. But how wonderful California is and about how terrible Texas is. Meanwhile, everybody's leaving California to go to Texas and places like Florida, where I live, where every piece of dry land right now is being built on. But don't tell any of the liberals that. I mean, they, they live in a fantasy land. But one of the things he says in there, which I was kind of hitting on before the break, that irks me so, he talks about this idea of public investments in terms of the tax cut, that, oh, California is so wonderful and Texas stinks so bad and Kansas is so awful, these, these relatively conservative states that have low taxes, because we don't make public investments. What, what is that? What, what is that? What, what's a, what are you talking about, a public investment? Do you understand how this guy, when he says that, you're like, all right, if you're a, if you're a relatively moderate you know, man or woman, and you, know, you don't have a lot of time to pay attention to what's going on in the news. You live in a busy life. You hear public investments, you're like, oh, yeah, I, I want more of that. Public investments. Okay, Robert, what does that mean? 
Oh, what you mean is taking more of our money that we work really hard for, more of it, despite the fact that you have flushed down the toilet bowl, $20 trillion in debt, $9 trillion added by Barack Obama himself. You want more of our money to spend to invest in things, what, we don't want to invest in ourselves? I don't, I don't get that. You know, Henry Hazlitt was a, another uh, pretty prolific writer who had written some books on economics. I hear Paul Ryan enjoys one of the books. Uh, I think it's called, what, Economics in One Lesson, maybe? Is that it? But Hazlitt brings up that point that when they talk about these, these big government types, about public investments, it's kind of funny when you think about it, right? Like investments, meaning we're going to take your money to spend it on things you didn't want to spend it on yourself because you thought it was a bad investment. But now that it's a public investment, it's definitely going to be good for you. So you couldn't grow your own business, but when the government takes your money and invests in regulations to stop you from growing your business, that's all of a sudden going to make you more prosperous. Does this make any sense to you if you have even an iota, a scintilla of common sense? I mean, I get it, right? Being a constitutional conservative, we do need some stream of tax revenue to the federal government to fund the constitutional roles of government. Our military, a court system, I think we get that. But the federal government has taken over every single component of your life, and they do it through this flowery language, this nonsensical language about public investments. But in, in what? In what? What do you mean? The public education system that's collapsing? Is that what you're talking about? The public education system that, that, that can't, we can't even teach kids how to read anymore? I see this report today that California, their new focus is they need textbooks that, uh, that focus on the historical contributions of LGBT Americans that they don't even know were gay. Folks, I'm not making this story up. This is not a story in the onion. California now wants textbooks looking back at historical figures who, ladies and gentlemen, they're dead. They can't come out as gay when they're dead, meaning they're not alive. You know what that means, liberals, right? That means they're not breathing. They can't talk. But the, California now insists on using textbooks in the public education system that recategorizes certain historical figures they think are gay as gay. Because don't teach kids how to read or do arithmetic or basic science, biology, chemistry, physics. None of that stuff matters. Let's focus on textbooks that out historical figures who are dead. This is, folks, I'm not making this up. Google it if you think I'm messing with you. But this is the public investments they're talking about. This is what I mean by cost and quality don't matter when bureaucrats and government officials steal your money and then spend it on you and tell you they're investing it in you. You're like, wait, I would invest in that. I want to invest in textbooks. And hey, listen, I, uh, gay Americans have had historically great contributions to the United States, no doubt about that. But is th this is what we're teaching people? We're not teaching people like the color of their skin and their sexuality doesn't matter. We're all equal. We're teaching them that their contributions only matter because of what their sexuality was or because of the color of their skin. This is, isn't this the exact opposite of what we should be doing? Now, most of you out there would not buy products like that to teach your kids. You would buy history that teaches, this is crazy, that teaches history, facts, what actually happened. You would buy math books that teach math. Shocker. But when you give money over to the government, this is what they do. Now, why would government officials in California want to do something like this? Maybe for votes to use identity politics? Folks, this is really unbelievable. I mean, what? 
I'm going to take a call from Tim here in a second, but I just want to I want to pose this question to you. Paint a picture here, right, for you. Ask a question, paint a picture. I live by that. What special powers do you think these people have in government to take your money and spend it to make your life better that you couldn't do yourself? What special powers do they have? Why is giving them your money better for you? How? Why isn't keeping your... You realize, right, when you pay for, quote, public education, you're just giving the money to the bureaucrat to, quote, give to you back. Just keep it yourself. Keep it yourself. Why are you giving it to them? What do they know about your kid? What do they know about his needs or her needs? What do they know about your job, about your business? The answer is nothing. They know nothing. The government couldn't price a baseball card. Forget about run your business, determine your health care, pick where your kids go to school. They can't do any of this. They have none of the prerequisite knowledge for this. None. No less the knowledge to dictate the lives of 330 million Americans. And yet liberals will continue to nonsensically argue over and over again that we should for some bizarre reason give them our money to run our lives when they know nothing about our lives. I'm not bringing this up out of nowhere. I'm bringing this up because this tax thing is going to heat up. Now that the bill is passed, they are going to lose their minds, I promise you. And as the economy starts to grow and pick up steam, we've had two consecutive quarters of 3% GDP growth. If we annualize that, it'll be the first time it's happened in eight years. Well, Barack Obama never hit an annual 3% GDP growth target, never, not one time. First president in modern times to never do that. That's a fact. As this tax debate heats up and the economy heats up, you're going to see liberals talk down the economy again and make these stupid arguments. We need public investments. Public investments. We need you. We need you to invest in your business. To invest in your employees. Invest in your spouse, your kids, your grandmother, your parents, your home, your property, your neighborhoods. That's what makes this country great. Not what these jokers in D.C. are going to do for you. They don't know a damn thing about your house, your kids, your car, your wife. Nothing. Your employees. Zero. Don't give them your money. For what? Flush it down the toilet bowl? They already spent away your retirement. They destroyed your health care system. They destroyed your school system. What credibility do these people have? If it wasn't for our, thankfully, for the sacrifice of our men and women in the military, the federal government would have no credibility at all. All right. 877-381-3811 if you want to call the show and join us. All right, let's take Tim from Manhattan. Tim, so you are a Democrat and a liberal, and you disagree with me. What else you got for us? Well, I should disagree with you. First, let me give you a prime example of why certain political parties are hated. Here in New York City, right, let me set this up. Now, for 10 months, we've had a, a strike. IBEW, Local 3 workers who are cable TV technicians to Spectrum, have basically been thrown out on out outside on their feet because when they went to negotiate, the people from Spectrum, the corporation, want to take away. Uh, Tim, I'm not going to get into specific. If you have a big example here about ideology, I'm I'm, I'm not into your, your. It's not my bag of donuts. Okay, do you have something else? Well, of course. The problem is you can talk about tax cuts all you want. The yeah, I can. You know why? Because I'm guest hosting, and it's not the Tim from Manhattan show. It's it's the Mark Levin show, guest hosted by Dan Bongino. So thank you for allowing me to do that. I appreciate it. Well, I'm calling it to tell you, as the government gets bigger and bigger, it gets bigger because the population of the country gets bigger and bigger, and that government needs more and more money. No matter what you talk about, tax cuts, the Republican Party was in on it. To what does the government need more money for? 
Well, as the government, as more people come in the country, the government gets bigger and bigger. Well, okay, okay, Tim, listen. What I'm asking you a simple question. What does the government? By the way, the per capita taxation amount has gone up. So your your point is kind of silly, but I, I'm just asking you a very simple, basic question. Why does the government need to grow with more people, and what does it need to spend money on that those people couldn't spend their money on themselves? Well, as the government gets bigger, the population gets bigger. You need more schools. You need more. Well, okay, why, why can't I don't? Why can't people? Well, people are too stupid to find schools for themselves. Why does the government have to do that? Well, your your argument is is, is baseless. And no, no, I'm asking you a simple question. Time out. Why does the government need to find a school? My kid goes to a school down here. It's a it's a private school. I figured it out all on my own. It's cost effective. Why do I need a government bureaucrat for that? Well, you went to school as a kid. You went to public school. You went to city. No, I didn't. Right? I went to Catholic school. You, but basically the bottom line is... No, 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 no. I'm asking a simple question. Answer the question. Why do I need a government bureaucrat to tell me where to send my kid to school? But you don't have... You can send your kids to any school you want in this country. Okay, so I don't... So you concede my point that we don't need the government to tell us where to send our kids to school. But you're creating a false argument. There's plenty of... No, no, I'm, I'm asking a question. You're creating a false argument. Why do you, I'm asking... You can't answer the question. Does Tim from Manhattan... You're not smart enough to send your kids to school without the government telling you where? We have plenty of private schools in New York City. We have Catholic schools. We have so what, why do you again? So why do we need the government? But no one's telling anybody where to send. You can homeschool your kids if you want. You create and die. Listen, you create. Actually, they are telling you where to argument. send your kids to school. You yeah, they are telling you because when because when you when you pay your tax dollars, you're zoned in a lot of places for a specific public school. So that's actually another false argument. Do you have anything else? Anything of any substance at all? Well, as this, uh, everything I'm saying is a substance. People agree with when this country gets more. No, more nobody population. agrees with you on this program. I, I don't. I know Charles doesn't, and I know Stephen's shaking his head right now, going, "Does this guy have a point? How long is Dan going to let this guy talk?" I'm going to let you talk because I like letting liberals talk sometimes because you show us how insane these arguments are. You keep making the point that as the population grows, the government has to grow massively, but you've not made one salient point yet. Why? Or when? Why? I don't understand. What What does the government do for you that you can't do for yourself? You're making an argument that there's no such thing as a government. We don't need it. That's get I'm sorry. This guy's crazy. Tim, thanks for calling in, but you're nuts. I'm sorry. I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, this is what I, I open up the phone for liberals, and I want you to call in because I'd like to have an argument back and forth that makes sense. But nothing ever makes sense. Tim from Manhattan, hey, I wanna, the, the, the government has to grow. Well, why does it have to grow? All right, the military, I already acknowledge we need a court system. We need contract enforcement. You need some basic regulatory structure, some jails. Okay, maybe that's of us. But per capita, the government expend the government expenditures have exploded. Have exploded. We're twenty trillion dollars in debt. We're we're we're, we're twenty trillion in debt. We nine trillion was added under Obama himself. What's the? I don't get it. Explain to me this simple question. I'm going to put this out before I go to a break here for liberals. And here's the number. I gotta go back and forth, but if I don't have a conservative caller, we'll lose our minds after this. Eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one. If you want to call in, libs. But I'm just gonna put this out there. Please explain to me something outside of national defense and a court system. We don't want a mercenary court system, right? Please explain to me what the government you think you can't do that the government has to do for. Explain to me. I'd love to hear it. Eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one. I'm Dan Bongino in for Mark Levin. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. All right, 
Welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino, the crafty knuckleballer out of the bullpen for the great one, at the Bongino on Twitter. If you want to give us a call, 877-381-3811. Everybody's welcome. Conservatives, liberals, this is a, you know, the liberals talk about diversity. We practice it here, right, Mr. Call Screener? We'll take anybody as long as you're not a total psychopath like that Christian Bale character in American Psycho. 877-381-3811. Hey, before I get back to the, the tax thing, in the next hour, by the way, too, I want to, um, I, I get it. I know a lot of you get tired of hearing about Obamacare type stuff. But there's a really, really fascinating story that just speaks to, again, the depravity of liberals and how everything they tell you is a lie. It's a lie. All the, They lie about everything all the time because their whole ideological house is built on sand. And the Obamacare fight is going to start up again next year. It's going to. Believe me, Trump wants this thing gone. This guy, I give him credit. He is committed to this conservative agenda. We haven't seen a first-year conservative agenda like this since Reagan. That's not, listen, you can dispute any personal characteristics about the presidency you want. As for the action items, you're a fool to say otherwise. This guy has been knocking it out of the park for conservatism. So I want to get to that in the next hour because they're using this talking point again. It's so easily debunked. But liberals are hoping you'll never do your homework. But before I get to that, did you see the, this is more fake news today. Newsweek put out a tweet about a uh, tree at the White House. It was a 200-year-old tree. And the, uh, the headline of the Newsweek story is like, you know, Melania Trump orders 200-year-old tree taken down. You're like, oh, what? Oh, my God. That's a historical tree at the White House. That evil Melania Trump orders the tree ripped down. Then you read the actual story. This is like, this is how the media works. They hope you'll never read the actual story. They are obsessed with fake news. So the actual story is the tree's 200 years old. I worked at the White House, by the way. I know the tree they're talking about. I'm, I'm not, listen, I'm not trying to be Mr. Tough Guy, pat myself on the back and tell you how wonderful I am. I've seen the tree. I've been there. The thing is a disaster. It was being held up by cables. The cables were growing through the tree, and the tree was going to fall and, like, kill someone in the press that happened to, you know, gather around that area at times. So rather than having literally someone die by having a 200-year-old tree fall and collapse on their heads and kill them, we can all agree, very bad, like caveman cell, bad, tree fall, bad, right? Tree fall on press, bad. We don't want that, okay? The liberal version of events is, that Melania Trump, she destroyed a 200-year-old, had that thing ripped to the ground. These people are crazy. This is how fake news works. This is how it starts. They pitch a headline, a clickbait headline. They know that the rabid, uh, blood from the fangs, far left extreme Trump derangement syndrome infected nut jobs, like they're out of the movie 28 Days Later. Remember that movie? The zombies are running down the street and screaming, looking to like bite and eat people. This is the Trump derangement syndrome crowd. Newsweek understands that you're so deranged and you hate this guy, his wife, his family, his dogs, his fish, his home, his, his neighbor. You hate everything about him. Excuse me, you should make yourself laugh. That's horrible. That's not funny. That is funny. That, that you will actually click on the headline and you'll believe it. That Obama, uh, that, excuse me, Melania is out there with a chainsaw sawing down this 200 year old tree and she's doing it. She's like, yeah. She's like smiling and laughing and like she's got this screw the green sweater on or something like that. I mean, you have to be a nut to believe this stuff. But really, this is what liberalism is devolved into, stupid clickbait headlines. All right, I'm Dan Bongino, at the Bongino on Twitter. If you want to give us a call, 877-381-3811. 
877-381-3811. We'll be right back. Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, offer code LEVIN. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting them from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Yes, yes, hour two begins. Dan Bongino filling in for Mark at Bongino on Twitter. If you'd like to give us a call, 877-381-3811. Mr. Producer was asking me what I was having for uh, dinner after this. Um, you know, I was thinking about some of that powwow chow from Elizabeth Warren. Um, she has this Native American recipe. Uh, I think Tucker covered it on Fox the other night, how to make it. <laughs> powwow chow. Well, I actually told him what I'm really having. I'm having like a chicken hero, I think. My wife just picked something up. But a hero. Not a, I'm from New York. It's a hero. It's a, Even though I'm down in Florida, they call them subs and stuff. Hero, right? That's what we call them in New York, right? Heroes? I mean, that's our thing. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I may uh, try that powwow chow. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. It's so easy with these liberals. Powwow chow. <laughs> Do me a favor, folks. Google that. Elizabeth Warren <laughs> and Pow Wow Chow. It is one of the funniest stories you'll ever read. I mean, the left has this big problem with cultural appropriation, right? You can't do anything. I'm serious. Remember Donald Trump? Do you guys remember this story? Mr. Producer, you remember when Donald Trump it was like, I don't know, about a year ago during the campaign season, he took a picture with, it was like a taco bowl. Oh, was it on Cinco de Mayo? Yeah, yeah, you remember, so I'm not crazy. And the liberals lost their minds, like, oh, my gosh, Donald Trump's eating a taco. Ah! Pulling their hairs out, plucking their eyes out, going full-blown like Oedipus Rex. Ah! Plunge the knitting needles into my eyes. They were going crazy, and they have no problem with Elizabeth Warren and uh, and her fictitious pow-wow chow because she has uh, high cheekbones. I mean, it's just... All right, let me get back to the real meat and potatoes here, what we're really going to talk about. So I told you in the last hour that I'm, I always get bothered by liberals and they're, they're just torturing of statistics and data to make you to believe that an alternate world exists as reality. And it's infuriating because if if you do even a little bit of homework, let me tell you a little trick, you know. I used to, when I ran for office, I used to get this question a lot because I, I I would do particularly well in debates. I had run 
um, three times, and I, I was always a really good debater. And some guy came up to, well, it wasn't just some guy, it was a lot of guys, but I remember one particular debate I had up in Frederick County in Maryland. And uh, a guy said to me, you know, where do you get all that stuff from? Like, how do you find all that information? And I said, it's real simple. Just put in a Democrat. I'm, folks, I'm not kidding about it. It's not a joke. I'm not trying to be funny about it. Put in a Democrat talking point you know is not true, which is basically all of them. And just put the word myth after it in Google, and then just hit go on your iPhone. I'm not kidding. Like, this is how I, this is how I slowly evolved into being a conservatarian, a libertarian conservative. Because I realized everything I've been told was false. Tax cuts cost the government money. Single-payer health care is a more effective way to deliver health care. I was like, really? That doesn't make sense. The government, government can't even run the DMV. They're going to crack my chest open. That doesn't make sense. Just put myth at the end of any of this. The Clinton surplus, put it, Clinton surplus myth. And you'll see an article come up by this guy, uh, his name, Craig Steiner. It's a great blog piece. He, he breaks down the whole myth of the Clinton surplus. I mean, anything. So one of the talking points I heard the liberals, because I'm telling you Obamacare is going to heat up now that Trump is going to double down on this, thankfully, to get rid of this debacle. They're, they're now out there again with this silly talking point that Obamacare is somehow controlled health care spending costs. Now, I heard that. Repeatedly, matter of fact, I heard it this weekend again. I saw it on a Facebook video clip. The Democrats, after Obamacare, health care costs are finally under control. And I'm like, okay, uh, that can't possibly be true. Like, my health care costs are through the roof. My neighbor's health care costs are through the roof. My neighbor's neighbor's health care costs are through the roof. And everybody's complaining about the cost of health care. So how could it possibly be that the Democrats' talking point that they've controlled health care costs is reality? And the answer is, uh, it's not. Now, here's how this works. I love debunking liberal schemes, okay? Here's the numbers they're going to give you. Pay attention here. This is, this is torturing of statistics. They're going to tell you from 2003 to 2010, right, that health care spending rose on average 5.7% a year. 2003 to 2010, pre-Obamacare. And they picked those years, by the way, for a very specific reason. We'll get to that. Then they're going to tell you after 2010 and the implementation of Obamacare, health care spending only rose 4.3%. By the way, I thought it was supposed to cut health care costs, not allow it to rise only 4.3%. But that's for another day, okay? So, you know, a person who doesn't have a lot of time, soccer mom, soccer dad, you work for a living, I get it. This is my job to do this, okay? This is I get paid to debunk silly liberal stupidity. You get paid to do other things, an architect, a pilot, construction worker, electrician, whatever you do. You don't get paid to go out and research this crap. I do. I said, that doesn't sound right. What's the scam? You always have to ask, what's the scam? So 5.7% a year healthcare costs rose pre-Obamacare, 4.3% afterwards. Wow, must be working. Well, here's the scam. This is really simple. Well, one of the reasons they picked 2003 to 2010 is those were particularly devastating years for healthcare inflation, which had an effect on inflation in general, obviously, because health care is a big portion of our economy. Health care costs go up. Inflation is going to go up, uh, not, co not, not on a one-to-one -one basis, but correspondingly. Inflation, 2003 to 2010, was really high. So basically, health care inflation was driving the price and the, basically the value of the U.S. dollar down in health care costs. So inflation was up. Inflation after 2010 was relatively subdued. So when you correct for inflation, the health care costs under Obamacare actually went up, not down. Remember, there's always a scam. You just have to pick it out. By the way, we correct for inflation everywhere. 
as I was saying this morning to uh, my uh, my audience, my show, I said, you know, folks, we don't talk about non non uh, price adjusted non adjusted for inflation prices anywhere else. Like nobody says, like, wow, my house was thirty thousand dollars thirty years ago. You know, what a deal I could get. I, I mean, what appreciation on my house is five hundred thousand now. Of course, that's factoring in for you know when you factor in for inflation, you didn't go from thirty to five hundred. You're going to either use the today's dollars to price your old house or, you you know, the dollars back then to price your house today to see how much you really made percentage-wise. But, of course, Democrats, when they need to skew the numbers, this is what they do. Now, I'm going to, another point. I'm, I promise if this doesn't make sense, it will in a second. Another thing, 2003 to 2010 had some pretty significant population growth. So when you factor in, and which slowed by a bit, uh, a bit after 2010, when you factor in actual health care spending per person, it went from 1.7% pre-Obamacare to 1.9%. It went up, which makes sense. So, folks, not only when you factor in for inflation did health care spending go up after Obamacare, but when you factor in per person, health care spending per person, because the population's changed, then the, it went up even more. So let me just get you know, let's just put this out there. The whole premise of Obamacare was that they were going to improve quality, the quality delivery systems for health care, and they were going to cut costs. None of that happened. Life expectancy is down. Folks, I'm not making this up. Life expectancy is down for two years in a row, the first time since 1962-1963. There's an op-ed piece in the journal by, uh, I think it's James Freeman who wrote it, really good on that. This is the first time we've seen So Obamacare was supposed to extend your life <laughs> and cut your costs. You're now dying sooner, and you're paying more money. I'm telling you this argument's going to heat up. But do not be a sucker for that if they tell you, oh, it cut health care costs. You go, did you adjust for inflation and population growth? Uh, no. Okay, because when you do, health care costs went up. But you said they were going to go down, right? And they went up. Not only did they go up, they went up even more than 2003 to 2010, the years you guys used. You're just making it up. You're just making it up, but they always making it up. It's infuriating. Life expectancy is down, too, because these Medicaid states that expanded Medicaid are seeing an explosion in this opioid epidemic because Medicaid patients, as he points out, Freeman in the piece, Medicaid patients are two times as likely, two times as likely to be uh, prescribed opiates as are other patients not on Medicaid. You know, the lies never stop. They never end with them. It's always a torturing of statistics. And I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding. If you run for office, you want to get into conservative commentary, just any time you think they're lying to you, which is almost all the time, just put the word myth in any search engine and you will find out they are lying to you. It's just not true. Tax cuts cost the government money. Trickle-down economics. Trickle down. There's no such thing as trickle-down economics. What is that? That's a myth. Thomas Sowell has a bet out there. Anyone who can show him the uh, econometric theory of trickle-down, he has his bet. He had the article up at National Review. Even nothing they tell you is true. That is a leftist talking point, trickle-down, to make you to believe that Daddy Warbucks was getting some kind of a government handout that was going to trickle down to you. The imagery was very powerful. There's no such thing. Don't allow them to bring that up. I saw uh, on uh, The Five today, Tom Shalhoub was on. And uh, someone brought up trickle-down economics. I think it was Jessica Tarloff. And he rightly so said, there's no such thing as that. It's made up. That's a leftist talking point. You're just making it up. Trickle-down economics. There's no trickle-down. Trickle 
They say, oh, they give money to the rich and hope it trickles down to the poor. What? Wait, wait, come again? Thomas Sowell brings up the greatest point ever when discussing the stupidity of what the left wants you to believe is trickle-down economics, which is just economic freedom, giving people their money to spend on themselves. Giving, which is hysterical. Letting people keep their own money. The point he makes is simple. Why would the government take money from the poor to give to the rich and hope it trickles down? Just take the money from the poor and give it to the other poor. Well, why introduce the rich middleman? But if you believe in trickle-down, you believe that makes sense. All right, I'm going to get to some of your calls. we got some more liberal callers who want to take a shot at the title, which we always love. If you'd like to call in, 877-381-3811. That's 877-381-3811. And if you want to tweet me, I'm at DBongino on Twitter. I'm Dan Bongino, in for Mark Levin. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. Mark Levin Show, Dan Bongino, contributing editor over at Conservative Review, filling in for Mark. I'm at the Bongino on Twitter. Make sure you give Mark a follow as well, at Mark Levin Show on Twitter. And go check him out at CRTV, available at CRTV.com. Now, I work there, proud to work there. We have uh, some tremendous content over there. Just brought Andrew Wilkow on board, Ali Stuckey, the roaming millennial. We have Steven Crowder over there. We got so much content. Go check it out, CRTV.com. The flagship show, of course, the original, the greatest, Levin TV. Give their uh, Twitter account a follow as well. You can see snippets of the show at Levin TV. But go check it out. They've got a ton of deals going on right now, CRTV.com, the uh best uh, conservative content out there. Again, I work there, but it's uh, I can tell you that completely objectively. It is uh, just the finest material out there. CRTV.com. Okay, uh, I promised I'd get to a call. Let's go to Mitch in Colorado Springs. Mitch, what do you got for us, buddy? Hey, fantastic job filling in for the great one. Yeah, it's tough, right? We say, how do you fill in for a dude they call the great one? It's not easy. So, <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> well, That's right. Okay. Hey, you know, I just wanted to say, you was talking about... Uh, all these liberals and Democrats out there that didn't vote for this tax cut and are bagging on it like it's the worst thing ever, you know, I, I blame the Republicans for not getting to the microphone and to the to the American people and telling them, yeah. hey, this is what happened. Not one Democrat voted for this, and this is why they're going to expire. And make it clear to the American people. They have the, every opportunity to get to the microphone, and it kills me when they don't do it. You know, Mitch, I'm glad you called, and that's why I wanted to take your call, because I agree with you. I think that, and it, I don't like to say, oh, and I know you're not saying this, so I don't mean to sound like a jerk. Sorry, I'm just blocking some idiot here on Twitter um, <laughs> as we take the call. But the Republicans have traditionally had a really tough time with messaging. Now, a lot of it is, I think, a fear of the media. They're afraid to say anything because they know the media is going to torture everything they say and take little snippets and make it sound like they're saying something they're not saying. But explaining away conservatism, I can't say this enough, is as easy as what I call Wheaties box messaging, right? Just if you can't stick it on the front of a Wheaties box, then don't say it. Like, they ask people all the time to explain conservatism and tax cuts and everything, and they're, oh, well, you know, listen, I love the Laffer curve. You know, I, I, I really do. I can ex I'd love to explain it. I, I love countering Keynesian economics, but most people don't have the time to get into any of that. It's really simple. Conservatism, because you can spend your money better than the government. Like, how hard is that to explain when it comes to tax cuts? 
Really, I mean, Paul at all, and especially if they would look at this last election and realize everything that Donald Trump said and still got elected, they would understand that they should be out there behind the microphone like he is. Yeah, I mean, I think that in 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 essence is one of the key characteristics of the Trump campaign that put him over the top in the primary is. You know, Mitch, he spoke like normal people talk. And I know that offended, you know, the uh, the liberal bow tie wearing foie gras eating Washington, D.C., Amtrak corridor to New York media crowd. You know, they're used to their their, their uh, I mean, they don't they don't eat well done, uh, you know, ribeye steaks with ketchup or whatever, like Trump seems to like. They thought this was patently offensive. You know, one thing for you, Mitch, if you get the chance and folks out there, there's a really, really good piece um, I think William McGurn wrote it in the Wall Street Journal today. I'm, if I got it wrong, the, the title of the piece, though, don't be confused by the title of the piece. He's not really saying this, but the title of the piece is called The Stupidity of Donald Trump. But stupidity's in quotes. You get where he's going with this? Like the essence of the piece is that the media keeps thinking this guy's an idiot as he keeps steamrolling the media and liberals out there. And he make an analogy between the failures of Schwarzenegger in California and Jesse Ventura in Minnesota and how Trump has been an enormous success in his first year. So I think that is one of the things that, that really propelled the Trump presidency into the stratosphere in a tremendous electoral college route. I mean, I always say if Hillary Clinton was running for governor of California and New York, she would have won in a landslide. Other than that, she got crushed because she never learned how to relate. But I really do wish the Republicans would make it simple. You can spend your money better than the government. Why conservatism on health care? Because you should control your health care, not a bureaucrat in D.C. I've never met. It's that simple. Why are we these flowery focus group tested talking with, you know, why school choice? Because you can pick where your kids go to school. What does a bureaucrat know about your kid or where he wants to go to school? And you're right, the tax cut. So I appreciate the call, Mitch. Thank you uh, very much. But that is a good point, folks. We've had a really tough time through the years marketing our plan. It's not our message. It's the marketing. The message is powerful. And, and folks, I can prove it to you. I can prove to you the conservative message is powerful because the Democrats co-opted. You may say, oh, no, they don't. Oh, no, they do. The media's entire argument against this tax plan, folks, has been lying about it and saying that the middle class aren't going to get a tax cut. Why would the media say that? Because the media knows the Republican message of tax cuts is a potent one. So they're lying to you to whip up support against it. Oh, you're not getting a tax cut. If, if tax cuts weren't popular, the media wouldn't say that. They're liberals. They're trying to whip support against it. They know our message wins. We've just had a marketing problem. I'm Dan Bongino at the Bongino on Twitter. If you want to give us a call, 877-381-3811. We'll be here. Can't got your tongue? Cough up a furball and call 877-381-3811 right now for Mike Levin. All right, welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino at the Bongino on Twitter. Fill in for Mark. Give him a follow as well at Mark Levin Show. If you want to give us a call, 877-381-3811. Mr. Producer was just talking about the quality of the bumper music, which I agree. And from what I hear, the rumor is Mark picks it himself, which uh, tells me he has an interesting taste in music. Because it's like all over the place, you know. That was was that Lincoln Park? That was right. It was right. I'm not. Cra- I'm not really. I always get that stuff wrong. Anytime pop culture and stuff and music comes up, I always screw it up. So good job, Dan. Finally, you got one right. I was. I, I, I will typically screw that up. I'm even worse with actors in movies. It's terrible. Um, so before the break, I was talking about how we don't have the Republican Party 
a message issue. We have a marketing of that message issue, and it's a pretty frequent common problem. And, and you can see it in media interviews, and it came up in the context of a caller, Mitch, in the last segment, who was very supportive of the tax cuts but said, hey, Republicans, and I know you're out there listening, elected Republicans, even at the state level. I know you didn't pass it. It's not a state policy. It's a federal tax cut. But still, it's your job to be an ambassador of what is a very good plan in terms of economic liberty, and we don't do a good job. I mean, I, I don't understand what the liberal position is. What does everybody give more money to the government? Well, why? Why? Just please tell me why. Tell me something they're going to do with my money that I can't do myself. I just don't understand what the basis for that is. Why tax cuts? Because it's my damn money. That's why. That's why tax cuts. What? I don't need any further explanation. Oh, but it's going to make the deficit worse. Oh, that you actually have no data to back that up at all. But the CBO said if the CBO was off on the Bush tax cuts by an astronomical amount. The CBO is never right on anything. The CBO, if they had to predict if the sun was going to come up tomorrow, would get it wrong. I'm sure there's some nice people working there. It's nothing personal. But the CBO has screwed up every single analysis it's put out for the last 20-plus years. Obamacare, the Bush tax cuts, Medicare Part D, they have been wrong on just about everything. And it was interesting because the last time I filled in for Mark, a kid called in and said, yeah, but I still trust him. Why? Why would you trust him? That is like, you know, there are people out there who engage in, like, sports gambling, which is largely illegal, right? And they pay these people. I don't know if you've ever seen this. But they pay these guys for, like, sports tips. Like, hey, take the, you know, whatever, this team plus seven on the weekend, right? They pay people to do that. Would you pay people, which you're paying the CBO, by the way, your tax dollars pay them, would you pay these people for information you knew, in fact, had never been true in the past? It's like, I gotta, I'm gotta, i going to go to Vegas, and I'm going to bet on a game this weekend. I'm going to call this guy for advice. Well, what's his record? He is 0-700. Give me that guy. I want that guy's advice. You know why I want his advice? Because I want to do the opposite of what he tells me. Whatever the CBO says, this is going to add $1.5 trillion, you should be like, great, this is going to cut the deficit by $1.5 trillion. They have never been right. They have never right on anything. It's all a scam. The whole thing is a scam. All right, I want to get to this, too, because another thing that's bothering me about this tax cut plan is that, you know, how the Democrats don't understand, apparently, who pays taxes. Now, there's an interesting story... Um, it's on my website, Bongino.com, from a couple of days ago. It's a, it's a Paul Bedard, Washington Secret story from a little while ago. But he was covering a speech by Mick Mulvaney where they talked about who pays taxes in the country, folks. The top 20% on the income tax, we're not talking about payroll tax, we're not talking about state and local, we're talking about the federal income tax, what's always the area of the, the you know deepest Democrat heartburn. The rich, they're not paying their fair share. For those of you out there, take a stab at this. We're going to play a little like Mark Levin show, Jeopardy. What percentage do you think the top 20% of earners pay in federal income tax? Go. Anyone? Yell it out. What do you think? 50%? So we're talking about 20 out of 100 earners, 2 out of 10. The, the top 20% of earners. 50%? 60% of the income tax load? Oh, surely, 60, that's high. 70? No way. 80? No chance they pay 8 out of every $10. None. Uh, how about 95%? Yeah, folks, 95%, up from 84% just a few years back. 
So when you say stupid things like the rich should pay your fair share, first you should be obligated to tell us what exactly the fair share is. What is the fair share? A hundred percent? A hundred and twenty percent? What is it? Two, think about this, folks. Put this in perspective, what I'm telling you. I know, liberals, I know this is hard. I know facts and data and math and things like that. I get it that that's really tough for you. You're starting to sweat. You're getting clammy. Your palms are getting sweaty. I understand. I, I know. Put an ice pack under your armpits or something. Calm down. I know this stuff is difficult. But two out of ten people earning money are paying 95 cents of every dollar in income taxes. What the heck is a fair share then? Folks, what's a fair share? I'm serious. What is it? So the rest, the remaining 8 out of 10 people are paying a nickel of every dollar of taxes, and, and, and the, the rich, the evil rich people aren't paying enough? You understand how everything they tell you is a nonstop parade of consistent BS all the time? Ugh. Frustrating. All right, let me take a call here. 877-381-3811 if you want to call in. Let's take uh, Calvin from Atlanta, Georgia. Calvin, what do you got for us? How you doing today, sir? Very good. How are you? I'm doing good. How you doing? Uh, oh, very good okay. again. You right, can ask me a third okay. time, and I'll tell you the same thing. Very, very good. <laughs> my question is, is that why do you think it's fair for a millionaire or a billionaire to pay the same amount of taxes as somebody making 50000 a year. <laughs> oh, my God. Did you just I, – I, forgive me, Lord. I should never use the Lord's name in vain. Calvin, did you did you plan that? Did you just hear – were you listening on the break to what I just said? <laughs> uh, no, actually, actually, I didn't. Okay. Uh, well, uh, that's not uncommon. I'll forgive you for that, Calvin. What income tax rate uh, – what, what is the top income tax rate for earners in this country, for the highest earners? Do you know? You know what? I don't know. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to take you seriously here. So your, your statement, I, I'm trying hard. But your statement as you opened up the call was that why is it fair that rich people pay the same rate as lower people? But you, just to be clear, you don't know what the rates are. No, 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 no. That's not what I said. What I said is that, okay, if we're, if we're all supposed to be, you know, like, you know, say we're all supposed to be equal, then... No one should be paying 50% or someone should be paying 20%. We all should be paying the same amount. My question is that. Yeah, all right. I, so you're a fair tax supporter? Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, I'm, you know what? I'm, look, I'm not a liberal. I'm not a conservative. I'm about, you know what I'm saying, no equality, period, all around the board. Oh, listen, then forgive me. I mistook that. I thought you were saying that the rich should pay more. In that case, you have my full-throated apology. I am a fair tax supporter as well. I'm actually a flat tax supporter. But I would support a, fla a fair tax, a flat tax on the way to a flat tax. Yeah, that's you know that's 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 where I feel about it. Look, you know what? I don't I don't care how much ever how how much I'm making. Look, you know what? It doesn't matter if if um, Trump is making whatever. You know what I'm saying? If you know what? If the tax code is that he pays 35 percent, then you know what? I should pay the same 35 percent. If someone's getting paid, you know, someone has to pay. 80%, then you know what, then I should pay 80%. That's how I feel about it. But it you seems know? that you have a problem here, looking at this on the call screen, that you have a problem with tax breaks for corporations. Now, why is that? Okay, because if corporations, you know, what Mitt Romney said, you know, back when he was running, corporations are people too. Then, you know, then they should pay the same amount that a regular Joe Blow would pay. Yeah, but Calvin, they pay more. They pay 35%. <laughs> 
They all the, the highest marginal tax rate right now, and well, after the tax reform, is going to be thirty seven percent. The corporate tax rate before was thirty five percent. It was right around the top rate. They were paying more than most middle class Americans were paying. Oh well, well, you know what? Well, like I said, I'm not I'm not a I'm not an economist, you know, so. No, like listen, said, uh, I, me either, and I, I appreciate the call. Thanks, Calvin. I am a uh, uh, little uh, taken aback. I appreciate your information. But, folks, I, I'm a flat tax, fair tax support. I know they're not the same thing. I get it. But for those of you out there, I've always supported that, the flat, the flat tax as a vehicle to get to a fair tax, which is a consumption-based tax in the long run. I think it's a far better idea. And some of you may say, well, why? Why is that? Why not tax income? Because, folks, taxing is inherently a penalty. It is. I mean, there's no way around it. It's an economic penalty. It's money taken away from you. That is the more, And the higher the rates go up and the more money they take away, the more the disincentive to do something. So why would, when you tax something, you don't want to tax income. Taxing income, basically at higher levels and at higher and higher rates, in some cases confiscatory rates, taxing income dissuades people from working. Because working more costs them more and more and more as the penalty goes up and up and up. You don't want to stop people from working. One of the reasons I've always supported the fair tax is it's a consumption-based taxing system. Now, you may say, well, why would you want to dissuade consumption or, 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 or stop people from consuming? You don't. But consumption, in essence, is the destruction of wealth. I mean, you know, you, you, you buy a hot dog and you eat it, you've consumed it. I mean, it's necessary. It's an, es- it's an essential part of a functioning economy. People need food. They need medicine. But if we can delay consumption and reinvest that money we have now into a capital, a capital stock and build out our capacity to build better, cheaper, more cost-effective products in the future with new innovations. It's investment that's going to drive economy, the economy in the long run. It's not going to be excessive consumption. So if you're going to disincentivize anything, don't disincentivize work. Disincentivize excessive consumption. That's you, you want to invest in the capital stock. You know, a quick example for you. One of the best examples I, I, I give people about this kind of thing is, you know, there's a, if, if you live in Florida, down by me, there's a tree farm right off 95, just north of Palm Beach County, south of where I am in the Palm City Stewart area. It's off 95. You, anybody who's been on 95 has seen it. It had suffered some damage in the hurricane, which is always tough to watch. Every time my wife drives by, she's like, oh, my gosh, seems like they're cutting down more trees every day. But one of the fascinating things about this tree farm and why it's hard to miss is it looks like a set of stairs. There's like small trees, like literally baby trees, like five feet tall. And then there's the 10-footers and the 15-footers and, you know, the 20-footers. And then there's the monsters. And and it looks like tree stairs. It's a fascinating thing to see. And I always think about this as an an easy explanation of why savings and not excessive consumption collectively matters. You know, the guy could have planted those five-foot trees, and people could have cut them down and used them for firewood and consumed them. Be like, hey, it's a great idea. Look, we had a little extra money. We cut them down. We needed a fire. We burned them up. Great. But by delaying the cutting down of those trees for firewood and saying, you know what, I'm going to suck it up a little bit this winter. We're going to tolerate a little bit of coal. We're not going to burn that much firewood, and we're going to let those trees grow. Well, what happens? You know, in 10 years of doing that over and over and over again and allowing the capital stock, right, the investment in the trees to continue, what do you have? They now have these monster trees at the tree farm off 95 that they can sell for a fortune, by the way. Some of these trees are like twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000. They're these 
big, mature, beautiful trees. And they did it because people delayed consumption of those trees for relatively trivial things at the time. I mean, listen, you're dying, you need a fire, but you get it. If you're warm and you just want to be a little bit warmer, we're going to delay that. We're not going to cut these trees down. And now what happens? You invested in the capital stock and you have this exploding growth of a tree farm on I-95. You take down the big trees, you plant a small one. It replaces itself. You plant a small one. Then next year, you take down the 18-year-old tree and then the 17-year-old tree. But you're planting every year so it naturally replenishes itself through capital investment and saving. Excessive consumption, you cut the whole tree farm down, you got to wait 20 years to sell a tree again. I, I don't know if that, I hope that made sense, folks. But that's the reason tax cuts and keeping money in the private economy, the free market economy, where, where free people exercise their best interests and the interests of their family, their neighbors, their homes, their kids. They can invest in their own businesses. They understand the tree farms. The government doesn't understand the tree farm. It just wants to burn it all down. Oh, we need wood now. Burn it all down. 20 years later, they sell a tree again. All right, folks, i got to take a break. I'm Dan Bongino, at the Bongino on Twitter. If you want to give us a call, 877-381-3811. That's 877-381-3811. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino, at the Bongino on Twitter, filling in for Mark. Make sure you give him a follow as well, at Mark Levin Show. And don't forget to get snippets of his show on CRTV. Follow at Levin TV, too. You get some great little uh, video clips there. They're terrific. They do a really good job with the social media accounts. So give them a follow as well, at Levin TV. By the way, I'm, you know, it's funny. Mark has a huge audience, and I fill in here, thankfully, a lot. I'd love to do it. But I've noticed the last few times on Twitter, I'm like, gosh, I always give out my Twitter because I, I honestly like to read your feedback. Even, you know, the kooky libs, they send stuff. And sometimes there's like a couple sane Democrats, and I like to see what's going on and what you guys and ladies are thinking about the show. And crickets, like nothing. I'm like, wow, gosh, is this, am I doing, my wife's like, no, the show's been really, I, <laughs> I had some filter on. I just figured out like two minutes ago. I must have clicked some quality filter or something. So I unclicked it and boom, all of these tweets <laughs> appeared. So, you know, I'm usually a little more savvy with social media, but when you screw something up, throw it out there and let the world listen. All right. Um, it's the end of the year. So you're going to see a lot of these shows and hear a lot of these shows where they're doing these you know, year-end wrap-ups and stuff like that. You know, it's all great. I mean, it's terrific. But, you know, you're, you don't really need a year-end wrap-up. I mean, you know, you've been hearing throughout, you know, about this stuff throughout the entire year. But one accomplishment of the Trump administration, which I'm going to get into a little more in the next hour as well, which I think is absolutely an imperative for us to discuss and celebrate and, 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 and you know, celebrate so we can incentivize other Republicans that think about running for the presidency later to do themselves is Donald Trump's absolute annihilation of government red tape. Now, the, the Democrats, of, of course, again, as I told you in the last uh, hour, whenever you want to, you know, the Democrats make stuff up. The focus group testing talking points are always lies. But Donald Trump, we need clean air and water. And Donald Trump is, is destroying government regulations to keep the air and water. They're just making that up. It's nonsense. It's nothing to do with clean air and water. The Democrats just say things that, you know, they know will, will kind of pluck at your emotions. I mean, that's just what they do. They don't believe in the truth because the truth will smack them in the face. It's just how it works. But his just destruction of unnecessary, burdensome, expensive government red tape has been one of the 
I mean, major league A-plus accomplishments of his first year in office, and you really don't hear much about it on the mainstream media except for disingenuous talking points. But, folks, I like numbers. Numbers are my thing. Let me put this in perspective, what exactly this administration has done with regards to unnecessary government regulations. First off, the red tape burden on the economy is estimated per year. Get ready for this number. This is astounding. $1.9 trillion in costs imposed upon you due to government red tape. That is an astonishing number. The entire U.S. economy is only worth about $20 trillion. So about 10% of that is thrown out the window due to crap government regulations. When we get back on the other side of this break, though, I'm going to give you the numbers where Trump stands as a regulator, or better said, as a deregulator, in comparison to Barack Obama, who was the regulator-in-chief. And to be fair... George W. Bush as well, who piled on a lot of regulations himself. And I think you're going to be astonished. And and keep in mind the costs these impose upon you and the costs that are now disappearing. That's why we're growing it. I'm Dan Bongino, at D. Bongino on Twitter, Infomark, 877-381-3811 if you want to call him over here. If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add. But this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve. And subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. All right, welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino, contributing editor over Conservative Review, filling in for Mark. Be back with you on, what is it, Tuesday on Thursday. You want to give us a call, 877-381-3811. Liberals, conservatives, whatever, you're all welcome. we got stacked phone lines, but if you got something important to say, bring it. Don't sing it. Love to hear it. All right, so before the break, I was talking about Trump's, one of his major first-year victories. And I think it's important to recap, and not just important to recap, but to recap why it's important, has been his just shredding of bureaucratic, unnecessary, non-cost-effective, expensive, discretionary power of the state, government red tape that is basically destroying businesses. Now, one of the things I hear from you know liberal antagonists often is, well, the stock market in the Obama years, the stock market was high. I'm going to relate this to the regulations in a second, but it's, I just want to be careful on this because this is important that you understand what's going on here and what a major factor into that Obama stock market, which did go up, by the way. We're not here like liberals to deny reality. But regulations had a lot to do with that. 
Now, you may say, well, what are you saying? Regulations are good and increase stock values of companies? Not really. One of the things we saw a lot of in the Obama years was, one, we saw very loose uh, uh, fiscal policy. Uh, excuse me, monetary policy. We saw loose fiscal policy, too, but monetary is a difference. Monetary policy referring to the central bank, fiscal policy referring to the government fisc, the treasury and the spending of money. But we saw very loose monetary policy. It was The Federal Reserve had really kept interest rates rather low, and interest rate is the price of money. The price of money was relatively low under the Obama years. That was one reason we saw the search for yield. The interest rates were low. There wasn't a lot of things to invest in, so people went out and invested despite really record low business attitudes during the Obama years and horrible GDP growth rates. People went and invested in the stock market because there was nowhere else to get yield. It was a recovery, but it was the worst in modern American history. People took whatever they can get. People invested in the stock market. You weren't going to get a return anywhere else. But interestingly enough, as it relates to regulations, one of the things we saw really spike in the Obama years were mergers and acquisitions. Now, if you listened in the last hour, if you missed it, go back and listen to Mark's podcast. But I talked about the importance of capital investment. And I, relate, I used the tree farm example. How investment is critical. You're never going to grow an economy. Never. This is an absolute tautological statement. You are never going to grow an economy if you don't invest now. If you shut off investment tomorrow, you'll get some growth and growth and growth. The machines will still run for a while. But after a while, those machines are going to break down. If you don't invest in the machines of tomorrow, sooner or later, you're going to have a factory with no machines that actually work. And you're not going to have a productive uh, economy. You're not going to have factories that produce anything because you're not going to have the machinery to produce it. We'll be back to doing we'll be back to doing everything by hand. Folks, investment in the Obama years reached some historically low numbers. People were not, folks again, I'm not here to argue with liberals. Liberals, they have no they've they've been vaccinated against facts and reality since they were kids. If you think what I'm telling you is a lie or a myth, go go do your own homework. Because I'm not going to argue with you about facts we all know. I will stipulate that the stock market went up in the Obama years because that's a fact. I'm telling you it was not due to record amounts of investment. Non-residential investment was some of the numbers cratered for as low as we've seen in decades. So the stock market went up, number one, because a lot of people were hunting for yield out there. There wasn't a way to get yield. There wasn't a way to get returns on your money because the Federal Reserve was printing money like crazy through this quantitative easing program. They were printing money. They were floating it out into the economy. That money had a search for yield. It found its way into the stock market. It did not mean the economy was growing at productive rates that the stock market seemed to indicate. Now, while companies were not investing, one of the things we saw really spike were mergers and acquisitions. When you look at the M&A activity in the Obama years, it was high. And one of the reasons a lot of companies gave and surveys and things like that, not the only reason, I'm not going to spin your wheels, but one of the prominent reasons this happened during the Obama years, high mergers and acquisition activity, M&A activity, was because regulations went nuclear during the Obama years. Oh, you think I'm making it up? Here we go. The Obama Federal Register, by the way, the page count of the Federal Register is a pretty good proxy for regulations and the regulatory load in the economy. The Federal Register is basically a register of federal regulations. The page count for Obama in, his, in 2016 was a record number of new pages in the monitor, the Federal Register that monitors federal regulations. 
95,894 new pages added. Obama also had six of the seven highest uh, page growth records uh, on uh, 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 spit it out. Page growth counts on record in the Federal Register. Six of seven. Obama, the king of new regulations. Now, folks, by the way, George W. was not much better, to be fair, and, you know, unlike liberals. George W. had uh, his highest year was 2008 with a pretty astronomical number, 279,435. But again, nowhere near the 95,894 of 2016 Barack Obama. How does this relate? I'm going to get to Trump in a second, but how does this relate to mergers and acquisitions, investment, and what went on in the Obama years? Folks, these regulations cost money. Remember, I, I told you in the last time I was here about that Howard County executive who told me something once when I was running for office, and I asked him about the explosive growth of the government bureaucracy and why it never stops. And he told me something really simple but deep when you think about it. He said, Dan, the government will always grow and the bureaucracy will always grow because there's absolutely no power in yes. In other words, the government only gets power, acquires power from you by putting a rule on the books that allows it to tell you no. Because then you have to lobby it to get the yes. You want to build a stream in your backyard and they pass the waters of the United States rule? You got to go lobby a government official. He now has power over you. He didn't have it before. Anybody could build a stream within reason. Now he regulates something, there's power in no. There is no power in yes. Democrats love this. They love the discretionary power of government. And they love the power of no. Conservatives, notice I said conservatives, not Republicans. Conservatives believe the power's in the individual to say no to the government, not the other way around. That's why we don't believe in an overly burdensome government red tape operation. Folks, regulations are power. They are power for bureaucrats who know nothing about your life over your life. One of the critical missions of the Trump administration, why I applaud this guy on this front, has been this war on red tape, which has empowered the discretionary government. The power of government to use its discretion and the bureaucrats within government to rule and reign over your life. What's the page count for Donald Trump? So I gave you the Obama's record year, 95,000 new pages to the Federal Register. George W. 79,435. Trump, 2017, 45,678. And as the Wall Street Journal reports today, many of these are just follow-ups onto Obama regulations that they haven't been able to get rid of yet. Folks, we're talking about cutting the Federal Register, again, a proxy for the red tape the government spews, the garbage it spews out of Capitol Hill, and in some cases the White House. We're talking about Donald Trump cutting it in half. Cutting it in half. And, you know, people, are, liberals are wondering right now why the economy's finally growing at 3% again after Obama and, and Larry Summers and all of Obama's economic advisors. All of these people told us for years that 3% would never happen again, that we had reached secular stagnation, the American economy had collapsed, the entrepreneur was going to die, that the American economy was on its last legs. We were told this, we were preached this, we were lectured this, they, they spewed it with a passion. It was over. The era of American greatness had ended. Yet all it took was one simple election and investments up, regulations are down, GDP growth is back. GDP growth is back at rates, by the way, Obama, like I said, just told you weren't possible. GDP growth's return. Business optimism is back. Hiring is back. 
unemployment is down. Underemployment is still high, to be fair. Again, not what liberals don't do to us. Underemployment, meaning people still looking for jobs, people out of the workforce. That number is still elevated, although that's going down, too. Folks, America's back. Despite what the liberals have told you, America is back. And candidly speaking, America never went anywhere. Obama just got in the way. His vision over eight years of an expansive regulatory state, government control by proxy over the health care system through this new Obamacare uh, proposition they put forward, higher taxes, higher compliance costs, crowd out of spending by government spending in the, in the free market, government taking over sectors of the economy, stimulus spending, crowding out private investment. This was the Obama dream. It failed. All it took was one, one election. And this is already turned around, which should say to you the power, the power of the American entrepreneur. Now, I am not here to you know, give you this Pollyannish view of the world, that we should all roast s'mores, sit around the campfire, and pretend all of our problems are gone. Folks, they are not. You know, Chris Pandolfo over at Conservative Review has a really good piece up. I highly recommend um, I'll tweet it out after the show, but you can go to conservativereview.com and check it out about a wish list for what's ahead. Hey, this is what I'd like to see in the following year. It's a really good wish list, too. That's why I bring it up. And he mentioned some of the problems. We still have an immigration problem, an illegal immigration problem, and an immigration problem. The way the legal system works, frankly, is terrible. We don't have a labor-sensitive model for immigration. Chain migration is a disaster. We still have problems with the Democrats making up conspiracy theories like Russian collusion. They, no one can seem to prove, but everybody wants to investigate. You know, it's amazing. We had these investigations into Benghazi and Whitewater with the Clintons, but, you know, no one liked them. But those things actually happen. Like collusion doesn't even happen, and the Democrats want investigations about fairy tales, okay? Oh, I just popped the eraser off this thing. Darn, I like this pen. Folks, those things actually happen. The collusion thing is a total myth. I had this, I was in Trump Hotel, <laughs> I, and I had to, I took the pen, because it was a cool pen, it's a small one, and I had this like eraser thingy at the end that I just popped it off, and I'm really upset about that. Totally took me off my game right there. All right, listen, we come back from the break, I'm going to get into more of this, but now that i got to fix this eraser, I'm just completely horrified that I destroyed this. I'm Dan Bongino, at Bungino on Twitter. I will get to some of your calls, by the way, there's a couple of good calls on the board, I appreciate it. Liberals, you're always welcome to call in, 877-381-3811. We'll be here. Mark Lovin. To the Mark Levin Show, Dan Bongino filling in for the great one, breaking things everywhere in the office. I was on such a roll, too, before I broke my Trump hotel pen here. I had, like, this plunger thing, and I tore it off, so I, I totally lost it after that. Gosh, I'm always fiddling with stuff. But before I broke the pen, I was talking about how things are great, right? They're doing... The economy's great. We're moving along. Two consecutive quarters of 3% GDP growth. Heightened, I, I, you know, I read an article on CNBC the other day. Heightened business optimism for the coming year. Businesses are reporting anticipated hiring, wage increases, productivity enhancements, investment in their companies. America's back. Proud to say it. Happy to say it. Fist up in the air. We are back and kicking butt again, despite eight years of Obama. But 
Coming up in the new year, there are some big missions we really need to accomplish. Now, one I get one of them is get rid of Obamacare. I get it, but one of the things we can do, if the Republicans are not going to be unified in wiping this thing clean, we can get rid of Obamacare by doing a few simple things that may not require. Because, folks, I want to get rid. Let me just be clear on this before you send me nasty tweets. I am one thousand percent for wiping the stain of Obamacare clean from the United States economy like it never happened. It has been a disaster of epic proportions. The problem is we have rhinos up there and people who are fake Republicans, you know who they are in the Senate, who just probably won't vote for it because they're not Republicans. They're, they're not even Republicans in name only. They're just like fake Republicans. They're, they're independent, Democrat-leaning uh, senators. They have no allegiance to Republican principles or ideas whatsoever. Now, one of the things we can do with Obamacare is here, if anyone's listening, by the way, up on the hill, we need to try this. They have a community rating provision in there. It's basically a price control written into Obamacare. And here's what it says. Here's a, a little scam they use. It was built in to put price controls on the cost of these plans for people who are older. Now, that sounds great in theory. And if you're older and you're listening, you're probably like, well, I understand. Like, that sounds really good. You know, we need price controls. These insurance companies would rip us off. Well, those insurance companies are now not only ripping you off, they're ripping you off and your grandkids and your kids and just about everyone else because what's happening? The ratio they put in was three to one. And in essence, it said you can't charge older people more than three times the amount of an insurance plan that you could charge for a younger person. Well, folks, that is not the ratio in the real world of actual costs. People who are older, I'm getting older, a lot of us are older in the audience, tend to get sicker over time. This is not uh, a controversial statement at all. People, joints break down, time takes its toll on the human body. The actual ratio in the real world economy is closer to five to one, meaning older folks tend to cost about five times as much as a younger person's insurance plan on an actuarial basis. What if the Republicans just changed that community rating and, and wrote into law a new community rating that said you couldn't charge more than, say, six to one. It wouldn't matter. The free market would take over again because the real world costs. Now, I'd like to see no price controls at all. I, let me be clear on that. I'm just saying we have a bunch of rhinos out there who probably will not get on the ship because they're not real Republicans. But if you just tinker with the formula a bit and you make the ratio five or six to one closer to what it is in the, in the real world in the free market – the insurance market would reset itself based on actual costs, and people would actually pay for products they were using. Instead of what we have now, which is a system where younger people are paying to subsidize lower insurance rates for older folks who are a little sicker, but candidly speaking, many of whom are in a better financial position than a bunch of 20-year-olds. Oh, my gosh, I know that drives liberals crazy that the government can't control something, but that is something we should absolutely 100% shoot for in the next year, getting rid of that absolutely absurd, outrageous community rating price control thing. Price controls lead to the same thing every time, folks. Increased, uh, a decreased supply, increased demand, black markets, and quality control every single time. You cannot control a price. Only the free market can do that. You can only shift and manipulate those prices and put them onto other people. Those prices don't go anywhere. There is no such thing as the money fairy, despite what the liberals have told you. 
All right, I am going to get to some of your calls. If you'd like to give us a call, 877-381-3811. That's 877-381-3811. And I can't recommend that piece enough, by the way, about the coming year and the wish list by uh, Pandolfo over at Conservative Review. Go check it out. I'm Dan Bongino, at the Bongino on Twitter. We'll be right back. Listening to Denali, the great one. The great one. And you can call in now. 877-381-3811. All right, welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino, contributing editor over at Conservative Review, filling in for Mark. I'm at the Bongino on Twitter. And if you'd like to give us a call, 877-381-3811. Hey, um, we had an interesting piece today I saw. It's kind of on a side note. The Washington Post is freaking out right now. They're, you know, because they're obviously in the tank for the Democrats. It's funny, their new tagline is democracy dies in the darkness, yet they are the ones turning the lights out, uh, the Washington Post, because they can't seem to give people facts. They can only give people emotion and propaganda. But they're losing their minds because the credibility of the Mueller special counsel investigation into the fairy tale of the Trump-Russian collusion narrative, nobody can seem to find, prove, or provide any evidence of whatsoever, um, is collapsing by the day. And it's interesting because I, I, I don't want to get into the whole Trump-Russia thing again because I've talked about it a lot on this show and, and elsewhere. I it's it's it there is no trump russia thing there's not much to even talk about but i do want you to be very careful and cautious about this one thing before i get to your calls whenever the liberals start to call something a conspiracy theory that means they're scared no i'm serious that that means that republicans conservatives more specifically some republicans couldn't care any less but conservatives are typically on to something that's making them nervous I saw this with Benghazi, where we still have uh, entirely unanswered questions about Benghazi. You know, where was Barack Obama the night it happened? Oh, nobody knows. When did he go to bed? Like no, to this day, nobody will give you an answer. Why those teams, the, the special forces teams? Why some of the teams, the uh, specifically one of the teams I write about in my first book? Why they were never deployed? Why they were never deployed to help these people? Why the the security at the special mission complex and in other places? Why it was denied by the State Department, despite the fact that the DOD offered to provide this security for at no cost to the State Department? Why none of these questions have been answered adequately? By the way, but that's besides the point. The point about this Trump thing, there's no evidence at all that any of this actually happened. And when the liberals start talking about conspiracy theories, oh, but the Benghazi conspiracy theorists and the IRS conspiracy theorists, that usually usually means number one, the thing happened, and secondly, what happened reflects poorly on liberals. Like in other words, they let four guys die in Benghazi, and in the IRS case, they targeted conservatives. Now. They're getting worried because this entire investigation has been contaminated. It's been contaminated for very simple reasons. You had a former director of the FBI and Jim Comey who admitted under oath, this admitted multiple times, that he leaked information to the press upon leaving the up on being terminated from the FBI to initiate a special counsel investigation. Not his job to do that. By the way, some of that information may have been privileged information, but that's a whole other story. So you have a fired FBI director who doesn't like the president who canned them, who starts an investigation by potentially breaking the rules and leaking sensitive information to the press to start an investigation to the president who fired him. Oh, it sounds totally legit. You had a number two there in Andy McCabe, 
who's going through all kinds of problems right now, apparently he's looking to retire, whose wife runs for Senate as a state, uh, for the state Senate and for state of Virginia, takes hundreds of thousands of dollars from Democrats and from Clinton allied organizations and Clinton consigliaries. Big problem, folks. Listen, I was a Secret Service agent. The Hatch Act applies to these people, too. Just because you're the number two at the FBI does not mean that you are somehow immune from the effects or the, uh, the, uh, the conditions of the Hatch Act you need, to, you need to comply by. We had a lead investigator in the case, uh, this guy Peter Stroke. You know about the text messages there, talking about an insurance policy with his love interest there. Uh, in case Trump, in fact, is elected and gets through insurance policy. I mean, what are we talking about? These are real things. Now, the Washington Post wants to ignore all that, pretend none of this happened. But these are real things. So whenever you see articles in the Washington Post talking about, oh, these growing conspiracy theories, your first question should be them, well, you guys are supposedly journalists. We know you're not. We know you're fake. You're, you're, you're faux news. You're fake news. You're false news. You're not legitimate. You don't actually... Nothing comes out of your mouth except Democrat focus group tested propaganda. But my question to you is, what about that as a conspiracy theory? What did I just say that is not, in fact, factually correct? Jim Comey admitted to what I just told you he did. Andy McCabe's wife did, in fact, run as a state senator and a Democrat from the state of Virginia, and her state finance records show where she got her money from, which was Democrats associated with Hillary Clinton. None of this is false, by the way. The text messages, which were exposed as a result of the Inspector General report between Stroke, who was responsible for investigating the, the, the Hillary Clinton email investigation, and his central investigator in, one of, in the Trump-Russia you know, uh, special counsel conspiracy theory nonsense. Stroke did call Trump an idiot. Trump did, uh, he did call, uh, say that we needed an insurance policy in case Trump was elected. This stuff actually happened. I tell you this. Because I know, I absolutely know that the people at the Washington Post are starting to freak out. Because they know that this thing has been permanently contaminated and that the truth, it's again odd that their slogan is democracy dies in the darkness as they attempt to put you in it. The light's starting to shine on this thing. And that's where the democracy takes over, not where it dies. And they are starting to freak out because it paints them in a bad light. All right, let me get to your calls, 877-381-3811, if you want to join the show. Let's go to Jill in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. I love Oklahoma City. My sister lives there. What a great place. Very conservative, too. How you doing, Jill? Uh, hey, good. Actually, you'd be surprised. It's becoming pretty liberal, sadly. Really? My yeah. sister lives in Nichols Hills. It's definitely not liberal oh, over there. Oh, that's so close to me. <laughs> yeah, you pro you've probably seen her. She stays a little incognito, but her and her uh, her husband's a doctor, and they moved out to Oklahoma. You know, it's funny. They we grew up in New York, all of us, and she married a doctor who trained in a hospital in New York, and they moved back to New York. They started paying the taxes for a couple of years, and he had oh. been teaching a bit in Oklahoma. He's like, you know what? We're out of here. We're going back to the red state. And they've been in Oklahoma for gosh, I don't know, twenty years now. It's a long time that's great it's a cool place so what do you got for us okay so earlier you were talking about people in california wanting textbooks that include people who have done great things for our country who supposedly um would be considered lgbt yeah nobody and knows they're dead yeah 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 so anyway uh, pretty recently my 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 husband is from up north and he has cousins in Chicago and nieces and nephews in Des Moines. And at the beginning of the school year, the teachers in the, the Chicago school 
asked his cousins uh, which pronoun they wanted to go by. And then, and I'm a teacher, by the way, so I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is being asked. And then the uh, niece in Des Moines, um, her teachers have been talking quite a bit specifically about um, being inclusive and kind to people of the LGBT community and made them write like numerous papers over it. Um, and I'm just, I, I, it shocks me that, well, I'm, I'm a conservative and I'm a teacher and, and there's, there's very few of those out there like me. Um, but when you impose things like that on students, um, it irks me. And, um, I, I feel like if we're going to talk about inclusion, um, we shouldn't be pointing specific people out. We need to be talking to our students specifically about including everyone and saying LGBT, all you're doing is, um, I feel like making, making it a problem as opposed to, you know, kids, they're not going to, they don't care about who you are, what you look like, what religion, all of that. It's adult. Right. But if you see a problem, you know, they're picking on a kid because he happens to be gay. That's a problem you address. I mean, no credible person would say otherwise. But I, I think what you're getting at is I think what we're doing is we're, we're finding a problem for a solution rather than the other way around. And, and the reason they, they love this, by the way, identity politics, the, the entire liberal faction that has hijacked the Democrat Party, rather than actual inclusion, which is we're all Americans, we should all be treated equally by our government, and the opportunities should be equal for all, not the outcomes. The reason they do that is because liberals don't have anything anymore. They don't have any kind of a pro-growth, pro-liberty, pro-freedom agenda that appeals to people. So what they do, if they, they've taken on this kind of Marxist approach where they put people in these silos and these boxes, Whatever they are, union workers, women, black voters, uh, Muslim voters, whatever they may be, and they pit them against Republicans. That's the only way to do it. It, it. The best way to say it is the new Democrat agenda is don't vote for us. Vote against the other guys because they hate you. That's all they have. So this is why they constantly do in these pick these new fights like the pronoun battles now. I mean, this is amazing for a party that claims to believe in science that they'll claim that you can somehow choose your gender despite the fact that that is absolutely biologically impossible by any reasonable measure. But it's never going to end, Joe. I mean, this is a, no, the identity politics battle is all they have left. They don't have anything else. It's all it's all gone. All right, thanks for the call, Jill. Let me uh take Chuck is Missouri. You in Missouri, Chuck? Yes, sir. Thanks, Dan, for taking my call. You've been holding a while, so I really appreciate that. What do you got for us? Well, I had a statistic that uh, might uh, interest you. It's my finances directly, so I know exactly what they are. And I attribute, to be fair, 80% of them to Trump's deregulation. I would have said 100, but, you know. Anyway... Last year, my wife and I, I, we own a semi, and I haul 7,000 gallons of hazardous material. So the deregulation Trump's done doesn't directly affect me, because everybody believes it's halfway intelligent, that there should be some regulation when you're hauling flammables, acids, you know. Sure, sure. I understand. Nobody right out of driving school should do that. And... We paid taxes on $52,000 in 2016, not right. counting, that's after all the write-offs, not counting the 1300 I paid because we didn't have insurance because they wanted 2300 bucks a month for a decent policy. So 
This year, I just, when I was home for Christmas, I figured out what I made, what we spent. It's close, somewhere between ninety and $95,000 i am going to pay taxes on this year. And it's because I have had no slack time. Our customers, I, I don't even really want to work as hard as my customers would like to see me work. I drove 130,000 miles this year. Right. That's all I want to do. I really don't want to drive that. I don't even want to drive that much next year. But it almost doubled our income, and my customers have been intimating that it was their their regulatory problems have pretty much gone away. Yeah, and, 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 and Chuck, there's also an anticipation of a commitment in the future to this under the Trump administration, too. And what I mean by that is... One of the big things in the Obama years that a lot of companies cited as a reason that they weren't investing was some form of fear that the government was going to come after them with a new regulation next year. So I, I don't think it's just the deregulation and the, and, the, and the war on red tape that the Trump administration is taking on, which I applaud them for. But I also think it's it's companies now feel like, OK, well, now there's some certainty in the future, too. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, it makes like you're not going to come right. after me tomorrow. Hey, by the way, before I want to ask you a question. So you're in hazmat trucking, right? Right. Well, are there areas of the country that you absolutely hate driving through? The only reason I say this is I grew up in New York, lived in Maryland for over a decade. Now I'm down in the great state of Florida. And when you're driving on 95 in Florida, until you get to like Fort Lauderdale, it's like the smoothest ride ever. I mean, you know, you get past Orlando. You can go two, three hundred miles and, and hardly see another car in some cases if it's late at night, right? But you go up to New York and there's traffic 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and uh, two times on Sunday. I mean, do you guys like go? Oh man, I gotta drive to New York City. This is the worst. Does that happen? When I was with the non-hazmat side of the company, I'm leased to. Yeah. I used to go to Fairbush, New York. Some I took uh, uh, citric acid. To Owen, okay. well, I won't mention the name, sure. to a company out there that uh, it, it's not a hazmat. It's basically citric acid. The same comes out of oranges sure, and sure. lemons and whatever. But I, <clears throat> they paid me hazardous duty pay, I called it, because I had to spend two nights in Newark, New Jersey, waiting to load. It's, yeah, Newark, um, Newark's got some tough spots. I, I spent some time in Newark. I did a site there as a Secret Service agent. Hey, Chuck, I got to run. I got to take a break. Great call, though. I really appreciate it. I'm Dan Bongino, folks, at Bongino on Twitter. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino filling in for Mark. You know, folks, I really appreciate you all listening. I do. It means a lot to me. It's a really great honor. I've been a fan of Mark for a long time. I always like filling in here. Thank you, Mr. Producer, Mr. Call Screener. Fantastic job, as always, and to Rich and Mark for allowing me to sit in. I don't even know how many times I've done anything. Like 20, 30 times now has <laughs> been a lot. And every time, it is a great honor. I get to do it from my house down here in Palm City. I have a studio down here in Palm City, Florida, and it means a lot. Thanks for all the tweets. One of the things I've seen, though, show up repeatedly on my Twitter feed throughout the night is people were really astonished in the opening segment of the show, and I suggest you go back and listen to com. You can listen to the podcast. I covered in the opening of the show how the Democrats are lying to you about why the tax cuts are expiring. 
They're expiring them only because no Democrats support them. That's it. That's the only reason, folks. I don't care what anybody in the media tells you, your liberal buddies tell you. That is the only reason. So I got a ton of tweets from people. Hey, thanks for letting us know that. <laughs> the media never includes that in their talking points. These tax cuts will expire in uh, 2025 in less than 10 years. Uh, why? Well, because no Democrats voted for them. They'll never tell you that part. That's why. That's the only reason. If they could have got around a filibuster, they would have been permanent, but the Democrats are filibustering. And your question to your liberal friends should be, okay, well, what Democrats are fighting to make these permanent? The answer is none. Um, also, one quick thing before we go. Uh, if you're interested in checking out some of my content, you can go to Bongino.com. But I have a book out right now called Protecting the President, and it was a bestseller on Amazon. It came out a little while ago. I appreciate everybody on the show for letting me uh, talk about it. But it's interesting that one of the stories I saw on Drudge the other day was that the Secret Service is now starting. I used to be a Secret Service agent. One of the things I brought up in the book is how they don't train enough at the White House facility. Matter of fact, at all, almost. And on Drudge the other day, you may have seen it, the Secret Service is now initiating a new training program to practice on the grounds, which is, folks, a great and long overdue idea. So I applaud the Secret Service for doing that. you got to train like it's real, especially when it comes to something as important and critical as keeping the President of the United States and his family safe and secure to be able to do things that the President does. They shouldn't have to concern themselves with safety and security. That's why we spend a billion dollars a year literally, on the Secret Service to keep the president safe. And they're now practicing on the grounds. Read the story in Drudge. It's one of the things I cover in my book that I think was a, a shortfall. It's not meant to be overly critical of the Secret Service, but it does talk about some of the problems they've had and why some of these failures have added up over time. So it's called Protecting the President, available on Amazon. If you want to go check it out, you can check it out. It's also uh, at Bongito.com. I have links there for all my books, so I do appreciate it. So, again, a takeaway for tonight, remember, the reason these tax cuts aren't permanent because because of the Democrats. Don't believe your liberal friends' nonsense. And if they ask you, oh, well, aren't these going to add to the deficit, as I covered in the show last time, ask them where that's happened. Show me a federal tax cut that has caused a decrease in federal revenue. Dare them to show it to you. Dare them. A long-term decrease in federal revenue due to tax cuts, and we'll be able to do it. All right, thanks again. I really appreciate you listening. And I'm at the Bongino on Twitter. I'm Dan Bongino, the verified page with the blue check mark on Facebook. See you all.